welcome to Setting Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 91. Hey guys, welcome back to the show, or if it's your first one, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. We've got a great interview, but first, it's deer season, so you know I've got some updates for you. First off, uh, you might already know some of the updates if you're following along on YouTube. We've released some of our best videos to date over on Shedding Light Outdoors' YouTube channel, and I would encourage you guys to go over there, hit subscribe. we got some more coming out. I've, we got more more videos to edit. It's been a great year so for, far, and we're just grateful for the Lord for uh, giving us these opportunities. Um, my buddy Ben, his son Daniel, shot a giant eight point. It was one of the funnest videos I've ever edited. Daniel's reaction is so stinking awesome after the shot, and the shot itself is pretty impressive. And this is a big buck. Um, some great footage. You guys need to check that out. And then my buddy Trav. Um, if you guys know Trav, he's been on the show before. He's a recurve longbow guy. He's uh, struggled over the years to try and piece it all together, and and he's done it in the last few years. Um, he's really stuck with it. He's not trying to go back and forth between the compound and, and recurve. Uh, and so this year he's hunting with a longbow, and he was able to pattern and figure out a giant 163-inch buck. And I'm going to have Trav on the show sometime to tell that story. But you can actually go and check out the footage. He gets some beautiful footage, and that's over on Shedding Light Outdoors' YouTube channel. Also on Instagram, uh, we are updating pictures, things like that. But also, if you hit that little bubble, I don't know if you guys follow those stories. We uh, often will dialogue, or I don't know if that's the right word, we... Uh, catalog or <laughs> we do something uh, we hit that little button and we kind of bring you through some of our stories and so over there you can kind of follow along with some of the stories that we've been doing it's only there for 24 hours so you click on it you get a quick story of what's been going on we uh, we try and just do pictures and captions and videos and try not to do a whole lot of us talking to the camera because that can get a little old so hopefully something that you guys would enjoy um, and the other update that I will tell you is um, yours truly is on on the board. I uh, was able to go out the other night and get a big doe, and it was such an awesome hunt. Um, uh, I'll tell the story real quick. We're going to dive in. So uh, on October 1st or 2nd, I went out to this property, and I set up on the edge of a cornfield, and I observed uh, nine deer, uh, two of which came right underneath me. I was holding out for a big buck because it was a nice cold front, so I let a big doe slip by. Um, probably shouldn't have done that, but I was really hoping for a big buck to come by. It didn't. But I also noticed seven uh, other deer, mostly does, uh, cruised way below me down in this valley below the cornfield. Uh, it's a big valley. It kind of butts up against the, the, the cornfield edge. And so I noticed that. So I went back in the other night, and I decided I'm going to slip over the hill at least 30, 40 yards and try and find a tree where I could shoot both the cornfield and that valley. And so I found this tree. It was a leaning tree. And I'll tell you this. I timed myself just out of curiosity to see how long it would take me to get set up. Well, I had a terrible setup. I was not smooth. Got up there. I ended up dropping my range finder and couldn't get the camera arm uh, level on the tree. And, you know, camera gear obviously makes everything uh, more difficult. But long story short, it took me 57 minutes to get set up in that tree. <laughs> I'm glad I went in early. Wind was blowing in my face as I looked down the hill, so therefore it's blowing back toward the corner. Cornfield. So my fear was, if something comes up along that cornfield edge, I it's going to have to be a very quick shot. Um, you know, I'm going to have to get it before it crosses my wind. Fortunately for me, about 6:15, uh, two does worked their way, and there actually was a small buck. I didn't see him until after the shot, but two does worked their way, and they fed on some oaks right down to my right. So about 3, 2:30, 3 o'clock, they came in and they slowly came down. I thought they might come over my right hand shoulder, and I have to go up and over my bridge hunting out of a saddle. But fortunately, they stayed low. I was able to watch them get ready for the shot, and. I let this doe pass the tree. I pointed the camera in the right direction. I came to full draw, and when you know it, she came and she stopped right behind a cluster of leaves. I could see her, but I knew she wasn't on the camera. And also, something just wasn't right in my mind about where I had ranged that spot. And so I actually let down. Um, and this was good experience for me. If you guys know, I've made some big mistakes in the past couple years, just uh, rushing the shot and, and trying to force it. So I let down. I ranged another spot where I thought she was going to walk, got the camera adjusted, and I drew back. 
and I let the arrow fly. Uh, she was about 23 yards, and I felt really good about the shot. She did a mule kick, and then she ran and into, disappeared, but I heard her crash. And so I took my time, got down, and slowly followed that blood trail. Um, okay, I won't lie. I tried to go straight to where the deer, where I heard her crash, couldn't find her, so I had to come back. And then I did the right thing, and I slowly followed that blood trail. <laughs> and, I mean, I found my arrow, I guess, initially, and it looked really good. But slowly followed that trail, and I found a real nice doe at the end of it. And had some buddies help me uh, get, her, get her out, and she's at the processor right now. So it was a great experience. It got me ready for that moment whenever, uh, in my county, you're only allowed one buck and one doe. Now I could go to other counties and, and try and get a doe, uh, but we'll see what happens. So that's my uh, season recap. That video will be coming out on Shedding Light Outdoors YouTube here in the next couple weeks. I've also got my buddy Corey's first deer that we're bringing out, and I'm sure in the next couple weeks there's going to be some other deer, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully some other deer that we capture on camera. So excited for all that. That's the update. That's the stories. And today we have a great guest. His name is Zach Crow. Zach was also able to get a deer, and it is his biggest buck to date. So we go through Zach's kind of progression as a hunter, and he talks about some things that he did to change it up, to kind of change up his style of hunting. And he believes that that helped him, and I'm pretty sure it did help him uh, get on a really nice buck this year. So uh, we're going to dive into that story right now. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Here is Zach Crow. All right, guys, I have Zach Crow on the line from Pennsylvania. Zach, thanks for joining me tonight. Hey, glad to be here. How's things going, man? Oh, uh, pretty good. I can't complain. Uh, I had a great start to this season. You know, after the uh, way Ohio kind of wrapped up for me last year, I was really hoping for another shot at something nice again this year. And luckily, you know, it happened this season and, and it didn't take too long. So I get to kind yeah. of some good weather here and not freeze my butt <laughs> off. So I decided to get back to Ohio. So it's going to, you know, I'm going to get my uh, licks in, in the cold weather, but at least I get a little break before that. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, I hadn't met you before. I just, the way I found you uh, is I just went on Instagram and I went to the tags where I can search for a tag and I tagged first buck. And I think your your wife uh, tagged you or girlfriend, I'm not sure which, uh, tagged you and it's something that said first buck, but it's not your first buck. It's just your biggest buck, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Right. She's actually my uh, fiance. Uh, we've been fiance. in the uh, oh, congratulations. And a half. We were supposed to get married uh, actually about a little less than a month ago, but uh, COVID derailed all that. So now we're pushing the wedding to this September and just keep our fingers crossed that COVID doesn't push it back again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations on your engagement. Sorry about the delayed wedding. Uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself, what you do there in PA. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've uh, been an athlete pretty much my whole life. I played hockey um, growing up all through high school, college, you know, played baseball, football a little bit, and um, always was an outdoors guy with, along with that stuff. I like to fish. Um, you know, growing up, nobody in my family hunted, and I always wanted to. I just never got to go, you know, given that nobody in my family did it. And so, you know, after uh, – it was funny, uh, you know, like I said, I always wanted to, but I was when I was in college with my uh, fiancé um, – her, her family is all hunters, and so they would hook us up with deer meat pretty much every year. And uh, after, you know, her dad gave us some deer steak and some uh, ground meat, you know, and I realized how good this stuff is. It's like I realized, <laughs> like, man, I, I, you know, as soon as I'm out of school, you know, this I got to start going. Pretty much so that. So you, li you, liter you literally got a taste of hunting then. <laughs> that was it, yeah. And, I, you know, the, the steak was just unbelievable. And so, yeah, that was it. You know, that's – that, that plus the drive to hunt, you know, and wanting to do it and experience it, you know, that's all I needed. So it didn't take long. As soon as I got out of college, probably within a year or two is when I started. Okay, cool. So what, just give us a little more background. Like, what's, where do you work at now? What's your livelihood and all that, that kind of stuff? So I work for a company that installs, like, custom cabinetry uh, closets. You know, we build out master okay. closets, uh, new construction. So basically, you know, light carpentry. I've done some heavy construction. So a lot of things along those lines. I did a corporate job for a couple of years and just was not my cup of tea to sit in front of a computer screen all day. And I don't like to sit still for very long. So yeah, after <laughs> a little time, yeah. doing that, I realized, Hey, you know, I got to get outside and start work, you know, doing something a little different. And yeah. I mean, ever since I made the job change and started working in this field, I've loved it. Oh, very cool. So 
uh, so your wife's family gets you into hunting, right? So how, how did that go? Tell us about your first, um, couple of years dabbling in this and how that, how that looked. Yeah. So, you know, the first year, uh, you know, I, it all started with an, a, uh, Mossberg 512 gauge smoothbore shotgun. <laughs> oh, nice. So pretty much as primitive as it gets in modern day, you know, and, and I live in an area, um, of, around Pittsburgh, Allegheny County, um, and it's a special regs area, so we're not allowed to use rifles here. So either way, it worked out. Um, and, yeah, the first year I went out, you know, I you know, I would ask, you know, her uh, dad and stepdad, you know, they're huge hunters, been hunting their whole lives, and, you know, killed a lot of nice bucks, and, you know, between guns and compound bows, and all the, you know, all the good stuff. And, yeah, I took as many tips as I could, but pretty much it got down to just, you know, getting my feet out there and getting some experience. And that first season, it was tough. Um, I think, I, I mean, I only hunted uh, gun season for my first two years. So, you know, that was a limited season for me. And uh, so I think I probably got out about 10 days my first year, but I only saw a deer one time. <laughs> so it was very slow and very frustrating and challenging and i'm thinking man you know just to get a shot at, at a deer you know in general it's that's got to be something and it was very hard to do I, I took one shot that year and it was towards last light i had a couple deer step out and and i i, I missed it i probably shot it about 70 yards and i you know so i didn't get that one but either way i mean that was just you know a taste of it and, um after that in my second year, I went out, and actually, it was, you know, complete opposite. Uh, I went out to her dad's place, and he has some farms around his area. He lives in a, a rural area outside of Pittsburgh, and uh, I, first day, I got to use one of a uh, Remington 870, actually, now, with a scope on it, and um, mm -hmm. I had about three, I'd say 315, 345, is I actually got a shot at my first deer and it was a buck. It was a six point that I wanted to be, I, mean, I wanted my first year to be a buck. So, and it ended up happening. And so, you know, from going from not having really like any good deer sightings the first year to day one of year two, you know, knocking one out first day, that was a huge, you know, victory. that was, that was your first year then a six point. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't anything big, but I mean, my God, you know, I was so happy, you know, <laughs> it could have been a fawn pretty much or something little, you know, it could have been a yearling. I'd have been happy, but to get a good sized, you know, six point buck, I mean, I was on top of the world and it was just, it was amazing, you know, just to actually have it step out. It was really cool. The thing came, walked out of a ravine, was looking at me and started stomping at me. And, uh, I given it was probably a younger buck, you know, it wasn't as smart as those old mature ones. So yeah. he knew I was something up in that tree. I don't think he quite knew what, but, uh, stuck around long, too long. And I guess for him and, you know, I got a good shot on him and he didn't go very far. And but at oh, that man. point I learned how hard it is to drag a deer. <laughs> yeah. So were you, were you hunting solo at that point or did you have, yeah. was like, I guess, what, I guess what I'm curious about is like, did your fiance's family, did they, like, they go with you or did they just kind of drop you in the woods and, and have you figure it out? Yeah. So I actually just walked to a uh, tree stand her dad had set up from his house and he has stands in different areas. So he went his way and I went my way. And yeah, okay. and even the first year I hunted solo, I still basically hunt solo, you know, probably 99% of the time to this day. Now she's, my fiance is coming with me this year. She's, she's hunted her whole life. So, you know, it's, it's not like it's new to her, but she decided to really make an effort to try to get a buck this year, which we're hope I'm hoping to help her do here, you know, for the rest of the season in Pennsylvania and maybe drag her out to Ohio if I can, but she's, she doesn't like the cold too much. So. You know, I don't think she's going to attend Ohio. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. So are you hunting mostly um, like hang-on stands, ladder stands, or how are you getting up the tree? Yeah, so, uh, and that's, uh, you know, along with, um, I guess, just in learning, you know, and experience. Uh, this year was the first year I've ever used a hang-on stand. Uh, last okay. year was the first year I used a climber. And uh, prior to that, I always had tree stands, um, or I would sit in the ground and you know, I've kind of found the tree stands, the deer learn them, you know, they walk around them. Um, when I've sat on the outsides to the left or right or behind my tree stands is when I see them now. But, uh, you know, I, and I kind of feel like with the older mature bucks, you know, and I very, I run very, uh, trail camera, very little. Um, but I've noticed, you know, 
you don't really see the mature bucks, you know, in front of this, the big ladder stands too much. I always see a lot of doe and spikes and maybe a four point, but mm-hmm. it's very, very rare. I see anything nice around them. So I kind of started thinking, you know, over the last couple of years, and this is kind of um, some of the tactic changes I made. Um, a lot of it, you know, I, I found Dan Enfold on uh, the internet one day and started reading a lot about his mobile tactics and using mm-hmm. Uh, getting up in the trees and so that's where you know just mobilizing my hunting game has changed so much and you know the ladders and the I'm sorry the hang on stand especially I feel is so important because there isn't a ladder sticking out it's very discreet and you can blend in really well and especially in archery season so it's funny like this year was the first year like I said I use a hang on and uh basically I hung that stand um, this a couple weeks ago on a Sunday in this spot, and the first sit I had in it is when I had my success. So oh, I won't get to exper- experiment with it again here in PA this year. <laughs> I'm certainly taking it out to Ohio, and I already know where it's going. So I'm hoping yeah, man. maybe that, get another one with it this year. Guys that have listened to the show consistently know that that's, that's been the, the game changer for me too. Um, you know, I started off with a climber, so – well, I mean, I started off in ladder stands kind of growing up, and then whenever I got into bow hunting about 11 years ago, um, yeah, I was using a climber, but I was kind of hunting the same trees over and over again just because it was easy. And so what really helped me was switching over to the saddle because then I could really, like a climber, I had to have like a specific tree, and, and I get a, I'd often get up in trees where I didn't have like a lot of cover. So kind of a case in point of this was actually last night. Uh, you know this because I, you know, when we had our little intro we, uh, before we hit record, we talked. But uh, I was able to take a senior in high school out last night, and he is used to hunting ladder stands. Like the, his grandfather's property is there's probably I think we counted the other day there's at least ten ladder stands, and so um, <clears throat> that's what he's been used to, and he's had a really hard time getting on deer this year so far. So I took him out to a different property and we just walked out. We found a loaded white oak on a soybean field and we've just popped up in a random tree and we had 12 deer around us <laughs> last night. And it was just awesome. And to see his eyes, like this kid, he's like, this is awesome. He's like, I like this idea of being able to hunt like any tree I want to. And I was like, man, it is sweet. I mean, and I, I can, there's guys that kill them out of ladder stands uh, without a doubt. I mean, there's a way to do it, but I love that idea of the element of surprise and, and being in a, you know, a new, new spot, seeing a new area every time. I really like that too. And it's been very effective for me as well. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure you changed that kid's mindset completely as far as how <laughs> you say hey, that's we all hit that point, but that's yeah. Mobilizing and, you know, just moving around. I mean, that's huge yeah. because you know, yeah. you'll find you burn places out you just get too much scent in there and you know, you don't want to kill spots that way. Exactly. And I think, I mean, like we talked about, I think you uh, may have listened to like the last podcast with Casey. There's always that element of safety. So I forgot to mention one thing I definitely do whenever I'm taking guys out is I got up in the stand, use my uh, saddle and my lineman's harness to set the sticks. And I would love to be higher, but I'm trying to make sure he's safe climbing up uh, so I don't make the sticks too far apart. Got my lone wolf hang on that I, I actually won the thing. And I put that on the side of the tree. And then I put a lifeline in there and I dropped that down to him so he's never... Uh, we kind of talked a little about that a little bit last week, but I just think that's that's a big thing. Whenever I'm taking a guy out, I want him to see the value of hanging on, <laughs> hang on hunting, but I also want him to see how he can be safe the whole time. That's that's huge. Sure, yeah, and yeah. To, to touch on your last podcast uh, with that gentleman that fell, that is something you know. Ever since I started climbing, and uh, you know, even now I'm going to incorporate it when I sit in ladder stands. But you know, if you're climbing, climber, hang on you know, whatever you're doing along those lines, you know, it's so important to have a safety harness, a, uh, a, a rope, you know, all that stuff. Because I mean, once, like he said, it happens in an instant and in that yep. instant, you know, next thing you know, you could be waking up on the ground. And one thing that really kind of, uh, you stuck with me when he was talking about how he couldn't breathe for a while. And I always carry a, a whistle on me in case something happens so that mm. I always figure, hey, if I fall, I'll start blowing this whistle and maybe people will hear me. But what if you can't breathe? I can't yeah. blow that whistle. So you just, you're better off, you know, just having the safety equipment and not being too comfortable, you know, making sure that you're latched in every time you have solid footing because, you know, actually uh, my fiance's father, uh, he fell out of a stand years ago and actually broke his back 
And, uh, you know, so it's happened to him. I mean, yeah. I know people it's happened to. We see it happen to hunters every year. It's just yeah. not something you ever want to take lightly. And you want to come home to your family, your loved ones, and make sure you can get out there again and keep doing the thing you love. Oh, and, and even even ladder stands. Uh, so uh, I, that podcast released this past Sunday. And before I could even share it, I got a message from a guy that I was in a hunting group with last year on bowhunter.com, just a little fun competition kind of thing. A guy in the group was climbing up a ladder stand that he hadn't checked yet that year and got about halfway up and the thing came detached from the tree and he ended up breaking his collarbone, break, uh, broke a couple other things and had like was being checked for a small brain bleed and, and thank goodness he's, he's okay. But even that, you know, I, I think just general, we talked a lot last week about just, you know, climbing safety, but beyond that, I think letting letting people know where you're hunting <laughs> so i always try and let my wife or somebody know some gps coordinates like hey this is where i'm going this is my general plan so they can find you if you don't come home uh yeah. you know i think gun safety you know gun seasons are kicking in uh, i had a buddy that was crossing a fence and didn't hand his gun to somebody or didn't slide his gun under and he got tangled up in the bob wire and shot his toe off so there's just all those things that i think we just it's not just the climbing it's also the whole whole thing people need to be careful about Exactly. Yeah. You just, you know, you always want to stay on top of it and, you know, don't get too comfortable and let it catch you off guard because it's, you know, once that happens, you can't take it back. And, yep. You know, it happens so fast. Well, Zach, let me ask you this. Uh, you shot your biggest buck to date this year. I know that. Are there any other stories between you, know, you shooting your first and you shooting uh, your last that kind of stand out to you? Any stories that kind of rise to the top? Yeah, I mean, I can even talk about, you know, both of the, the past couple of years, the bucks I got. Um, maybe I'll start yeah, with two years ago um, when I got my first, you know, nice, respectful buck, I'd say. It was a uh, an eight point. Um, not sure on score. I've never really had him score. I'm not crazy about that. But, you know, maybe I'll start doing it as I gain a collection of antlers here. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a great – it was an awesome day. I mean, it was kind of a day like uh, you had with that – boy you took out yesterday um you know a lot of times when i hunt you know especially well, at least early on you know i didn't see a lot of deer the first couple of years and just to see one was awesome i remember points i'd go like nine days without seeing a deer you know i'd count the hours it's like we're on hour 91 no deer <laughs> you know it's yeah. just it was crazy but yeah that's i've gotten smarter to the point where now you know i see them pretty much every time i'm out or every other at least but and uh, this one day, I mean, I went out and it was, you know, it got capped off at the end with the uh, harvest of that eight point. Um, it started out in the morning, same place I uh, got my first buck. Um, I, I got out and it was like, as day was breaking, it wasn't like pitch black or anything. So I could see, you know, around the field I was walking out to. And uh, I got in a stand there that was on a field edge. And off in the distance, it was probably only about maybe 80 yards away. I saw a very nice buck. I don't know how many points it was because I didn't have binoculars, but. Um, you know, surely enough, he walked into the woods, the wood line, and I never saw him again. So I'm thinking, man, you know, maybe he'll come back around, sneak out behind me, but that never happened. So anyways, you know, throughout the day, though, you know, I saw, I think I counted maybe 20, 30, 25, 30 deer that day, which was unbelievable. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. So it was a very exciting day all around. Uh, I had another six, little six point walk to my right and walk behind me. So, you know, and that was at that point, you know, I already had, since I got a six under my belt, you know, I didn't want to take another one. I wanted to try to keep upping my score there. And so I let him walk, you know, and then um, <clears throat> I think her and me, her and her grandfather went and got lunch. So we came back after lunch and, uh, you know, that's something I normally sit out the whole day. I don't like to leave. I like to kind of stick it out. I don't want to move around, but it, hey, we did that day and it didn't hurt me. Um, I was sitting in the stand later on. We got tucked back in. And uh, now her grandfather and her were across across the field from me in another uh, wood line. It was kind of like a finger of woods. And behind them was a field, so I could see deer running around behind them all day. I actually saw a couple bucks go at it a little bit um, out near them. Okay. And they never got a shot at any of them. So eventually I'm sitting there, and along their wood line, I see a really big doe walking straight down the line, and they have a blind tucked in. And this thing was probably, it was going to walk right in front of her blind. And uh, it would have been really, really cool to see her take that with him that day. But uh, it got too close. 
And uh, it actually spotted them, and the doe snorted and took off, started running like crazy. And then all of a sudden, to my right, I had no idea he was there yet because I couldn't see him through the leaves. But uh, a pretty nice buck took off and started chasing this doe. And so I'm thinking, like, oh, man, you know, there goes my chance. I literally had a buck. He was about to walk right in front of me. There's, oh, you know, there's no way I'm going to see another one. And he would have been a nice one. I don't know, again, how many points because it happened so quick. But so after that, you know, I'm thinking, man, well, you know, if there's only a couple hours left in this day, uh, that's, that's probably it. I mean, I saw how many bucks today. You know, what are the chances I see another one? So after that <laughs> excitement happens, you know, I'm sitting there. It's all quiet. And uh, all of a sudden, I left. Like, probably, I'm, I bet no more than five, ten yards away from me, underneath me, through the trees, I see a little bit of movement. I look down, and I see a pretty nice eight point. You know, his head is just right on the wood line where my stand is. And so I'm thinking, like, oh, my, like, here he is. You know, this is – I'm going to get a shot if he walks out in front of me. And I had some branches kind of in front of me that were concealing me, so – he had to walk the right path to uh, not scent me and for me to get a shot. Sure enough, he did. He, he took a couple few steps, and I already had – and I was luckily I was sitting with my legs folded and my, my crossbow was rested on my knees. So I was in a perfect shooting position. I didn't have to move or anything. And I had my scope, you know, just right on the outside edge of these leaves. And if he walked – and he literally just walked right into the scope. And oh, I man. think I – Use my 20-yard crosshair, and I put a perfect uh, double lung shot on him. And, and uh, it was funny. Um, I, I, I nailed him, and he took off and ran to the left. And, you know, this was the first time I ever hit, like, a, a pretty good-sized buck. And my heart's racing a million miles an hour. I'm shaking. You know, I have the buck fever. And, and uh, I think my phone rang. And, I, and it was her, my, my, fian you know, my girlfriend at the time, now fiancé, across the field calling me. And she said, did you get, you know, you got one. I was like, yeah, because because they could actually, they heard the, you know, the, the bow snap and they could hear the impact. They heard the bow snap and the thud of it, my arrow hitting the deer. And so I was mm. like, oh, yeah, like, you know, he's, I hit him. He ran over this way, you know, and I didn't see, I heard a crash, but I couldn't see him. So, you know, all of a sudden I started making all the calls, called her dad, you know, hit one. And so I, I, I think I, uh, it's hard to remember because it was, you know, it just happened so quick. But I think we started, yeah, we went right in. So I actually walked across the field to meet her because I didn't want to go chase this thing. I didn't know if it was, you know, still alive. I didn't want to jump it. So walk across, met her and her pap. You know, they kind of packed up. And we started walking over to where this, the deer we thought ran. And, uh, you know, we got there and probably about five yards into the woods, I saw him laying there. And, you know, just to see that deer laying there and to see the, those antlers just, you know, put the biggest smile on my face. You know, one that I felt again, you know, this last week. But, yeah, I was just – it was a, such a huge feeling because, I mean, I'm reading about all, you know, so many people online who never get a shot at deer like this. And for it to finally happen, I mean, I was, you know, ecstatic. You know, I was on top of the world. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it was so cool to be do it with all of them there. You know, her dad actually came out. It was awesome. I didn't have to drag it. He drove a tractor out, and we put it on the uh, back of the tractor after we uh, field dressed it, and he drove it back. So I actually kind of wanted to drag it. You know, it was one of those deals. Was, I've been waiting so long to get a deer like this, and I kind of felt like, man, I kind of got cheated out of that experience of dragging that big buck. But, hey, whatever. You know, my body will be better for it tomorrow, so. Yeah, well, and hopefully there's plenty more opportunities, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that uh, yeah, wasn't the last one. Yeah, this uh, last yeah. year now, I, and this was pretty cool. This was another first. Uh, now, this was a seven point that I got. Now, this was you know, close to home around where I live. Um, it was uh, October. I think I think the date was October 18th. So it was right around now. Um, you know, right when ruts they're starting to kind of rut around. You know, starting to do their thing and. And I was, it was a Friday. Um, it was after work. I think it was probably around like five o'clock or so. I can't, maybe even four thirty. And I was sitting in a tree stand at the bottom of this huge, steep, like mountain type uh, terrain. And so, you know, and looking back at it, learning about thermals and all, I mean, I was in a good spot for that uh, time of the day. But either way, I mean, this, it didn't matter because there was, a, I was sitting there, it was dead quiet. And all of a sudden, I hear a 
I hear a, a huge commotion to my left, and I look, and this doe comes trotting out of the woods. I mean, I'm in the woods, but out, out of like a little trail anyways, and there was a little bit of an opening in front of me. For the area, it was thinned out, but it was still like pretty wooded and thick. And she comes trotting out, and behind her comes uh, a night, you know, that seven-point buck. And uh, I saw the four antlers, the four up on the one side. So I was like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> either way, I'm thinking, you know, I want to get at least an eight, maybe a nine, you know, get an eight or better this year. But it was one of those deals buck fever took over. And uh, she ran right in front of me on this little plateau, stopped, took a 90-degree turn right directly at me, trotted down this little bank onto the open trail right in front of my tree, this tree stand I was sitting in. And uh, I wasn't that high off the ground, maybe only like 10 feet, but I was brushed in pretty well. And then when she got in front of me, she turned left to my left and ran down the trail. And this buck was on her tail. And he stopped right at the top of the plateau where she just marched down. And I, sw I mean, there were leaves in front of my face, so I don't know if he could see me or not. He paused and was kind of looking, so I'm thinking, you know, he might see me. But either way, he was chasing that doe, and uh, I heard him grunt down the hill. And this was, that was really cool to actually hear him grunting at a doe. And he ran down, turned, you know, followed her direct trail, and then he stopped at my 10 o'clock at probably, like, 15 yards away at the most. And mm -hmm. I had a perfect, like, quartering away shot. And I was able to put it, another double long shot on it. I hit him. He ran back across me and maybe only went another, like, 30 yards. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was hoping he was an eight point, but I was happy as heck anyways to just get another one, you know, to do it again and repeat the success. And, and it was a cool experience seeing him actually chasing a doe and grunting. Like, that was the first time I ever witnessed a buck doing that before. So that was a really cool, memorable, you know, harvest in itself. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, I guess question before we get, I want to, I want to hear your 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 story from this year. But you talked about Dan Infall, and I think guys that listen to this probably are familiar with him and a lot of different tactics. You know, but there's there's different tactics that you pick up from different people. What are what do you think are the if you could pick like the top two things that kind of come to mind that are helping you find deer, get on deer more than than you were your first couple of years. What would those things be? What are the things that you think that are maybe helping contribute the most to your, your success? I'm going to assume that one of them is being mobile. You know, kind of mentioned that one, but what's your thoughts? Yeah, so, I mean, there's definitely a couple of things. Um, you know, Onyx, I'm sure everybody has that. Um, just scouting the maps, studying the maps, you know, learning the what way deer like to travel, the elevations, the land features. I mean, I'm, you know, when I'm driving to the woods, even when I'm sitting in the woods, when I'm at home after the hunt, I'm constantly just scouring and studying maps like crazy, just trying to figure a piece it all together. And so I do my cyber scouting. And then in the spring, you know, I made it a goal to scout like every piece of property I wanted to this past uh, spring before the leaves all grew back in. And I did. I hit everything. And that allowed me to find a lot more places that I never would have seen. And, and um, so, you know, doing your homework there. And another thing, you know, that really helped, uh, you know, was hunting the areas that don't, so you'll see, you know, like when you're new to hunting, you see, oh, this, here's a perfectly open area. Like this is a perfect place for a deer to walk into the open and I can get them easy. Well, they don't do that. You know, not the smart ones as we know. And so kind of getting into those thicker places that, you know, a person generally won't travel, you know, finding trails coming in and out over a lot of sign, you know, looking for, um, even scouting. I've, I've started looking for fur and beds. That was something I heard, uh, some of those guys mention and through podcasts and sure enough, I, you know, when I started looking at the ground, I mean, I have pictures of, I think on my uh, Instagram page of just fur, like heavy fur in some of these spots. And so I, once you really start paying attention to the ground and what like to look for in bedding. I mean, it all like this is right in front of your face. It's just, you, know, you got to slow down and look for it. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, between scouting, you know, learning the terrain features, those two things are huge. And kind of to put that all together, you know, learn um, hunting the right terrains with the right wind. Um, and then this buck that I just got this past year, um, I mean, it pretty much illustrated how a buck travels with the wind at his back blowing over his face and you know he's looking downwind this is what this that's exactly what that buck was doing mm -hmm. and 
So to see that actually is another big, you know, re affirmation of just what we hear. And um, yeah. so, yeah, the wind is huge. You know, I, I, I picked milkweed. That's a big thing that's like really popular now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always it's... dropping that, you know, it, sunset, you know, um, it's sunrise. Sunrise, I don't really hunt mornings a lot, but uh, you definitely do see the thermal shift. And so kind of knowing where to look, you know, based on where the wind's coming from will kind of give you an idea where these deer are going to come from. And generally, you know, it's it's all right truth in my experience so far. Well, that's great. Two things. I'm glad that we had this conversation. I, two things that just remind me of one, I need to renew my Onyx because it expired this week. And two, <laughs> I need, I need to re restock my milkweed. So I'm glad we had that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, luckily in Ohio where I've been going, it's everywhere. So I know I, it's funny. Yeah. I see people always saying, Hey, I can ship you some milkweed or people were you know, selling it to each other online now it seems but yeah you just got to find yourself a good patch and keep yourself stocked when you see it when you see it grab it because it is important yeah. I mean, hey, like one or two pauses lasted me a whole year plus so oh it's yeah good stuff. It's good stuff. It's stuff that you don't see like with um i had like a powdered wind checker and but i don't you only see it for a couple seconds i mean the biggest thing is to watch that milkweed and as it gets somewhere to the ground it keeps going it might swirl up and that really shows you you know, your wind beyond, like, you think, oh, yeah, it's, it's you know, that powder just blowing, you know, behind me. But the milkweed, since it stays and doesn't dissolve and it floats down on the ground, you'll see it goes behind you, but then it goes down and out to your left and out in front of mm -hmm. you. So it really exposes the uh, the swirling wind and, and it shows you where, you know, when that deer gets to that spot, like, you're busted, get it by. So, yep. yeah, I mean, a lot of those things, you know, you put them all together. I mean, it's the more you do it, you're going to see, you know, it's going to, it's going to work for you. Yeah. Well, man, I'm, I'm glad that that's, that's working for you. And I think it's working for a lot of guys actually. So let's, let's dive into it this year. You've kind of put all these tactics together. Tell us the story of your biggest buck. Yeah. So, um, all, over the off season and, you know, this kind of all leads up to how I got to this place. And I guess I'll even go back as far as last year. I went uh, hunting down in um, Shawnee National Forest or Shawnee State Forest in Ohio. It's close to the border of Kentucky. And uh, there's some friends. Yeah, I went with a group of three guys, and they've hunted this property where I got this buck this year. They've hunted it for years. And so I've heard they just told me some of their stories, and, you know, and I've always wanted to go there. And so I finally said, all right, well, I'm going to go there this year. And uh, But I over the offseason, I – I scouted this one area very close to there and I found this insane area of just, there were so many tracks, probably a hundred plus trees just shredded up. There's some pictures on my Instagram of this place. I don't post them all just because a shredded tree, you know, over and over gets redundant. But, but yeah, I mean, I've never seen an area like this and I feel like right now to like, you know, through gun season, that that's the time to get to this place. But I'm never going to see it. That's where I might try to get my fiance in there. But um, so I sat there the first couple of days of the year just to check it out. You know, I didn't see anything, no new sign, like the, the trees weren't ripped up yet. So, but I I never got to see it grown in. It's very thick. But I I figured, hey, you know, this isn't hot yet. It's not the right time. So I'm going to move around. Um. I went around, then I moved over to the place where I got my seven point last year, sat there a couple times. And actually one night we were driving down the road and we saw some two huge bucks right on the side of the road by there. So I think hmm. there was at least a big wide eight point. And I didn't see the other one, but she said the other one was really big. So, and I know like over the years, I've heard stories and seen some pictures of some big bucks killed there. So it's that, it just, it's that like steep, steep mountain terrain just the area big bucks like to get into where not much can get to them. So I figured, Hey, there's, I saw these bucks here tonight. I'm going to hit this the next few days. So her and I actually went there and, and she, and we, she saw the, the one day she had like four young bucks walking around her, you know, sparring a little, but they were all like spikes, twos, three, four pointers. And then uh, I didn't see anything. I set my uh, hang on up actually that evening, but I didn't see anything. And then I sat there, um, probably a couple days i think it was like almost a week later i went back and uh 
I had I had one of those I think little bucks that she saw come underneath my stand like right before sunset. He was probably like a four point, and so I'm thinking, well, maybe in a couple years, buddy. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, it's it's in a good place, but it's just yeah, you know, it's one of those things. You hit that spot enough, you're going to get your chance at one. But uh, so after not seeing anything too crazy, and I decided, all right, well, you know, I'm going to go uh, test out this other spot now. And that's, this is where I ended up getting my uh, buck at. So I went and on a Sunday, and I, I never really got to scout it too, too much, but just from looking at Onyx and, um, you know, hearing what some other guys have said about it, you know, I placed my stand in an area. Um, it was along the, like a, a, the edge of a field, like a CRP type field. And it kind of, there was a, over this, the bank, there's like a ravine. So I'm kind of along like a nice uh, draw coming up out of like a, a marshy area. And, yeah. on, and, and on my backside was the CRP. So I'm in a good little kind of field edge spot where you some deer should travel. And um, this connects to another piece of property I hunt where there's a lot of huge bucks there. I actually had a really nice run in with one last year. I can maybe get into that later, but but anyways, um, so I hung it up on Sunday, and uh, my, I wanted to get to it maybe like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but I got out of work late those days, so it didn't happen. And then uh, Thursday, I uh, got out of work about 3 o'clock and uh, got home, got dressed, and you know, just said, hey, I'm going, you know, got into the woods. And, uh, and it's nice, you know, I'm able to walk up there and not make too much noise and get to my stand, you know, relatively quiet. So I got up there, and it wasn't long. I think I got in there probably 4.45 or so. And uh, I was just kind of getting set up, got in, and sat down. You know, I hear squirrels running all around. And, I, you know, it's one of those deals now, you know. I have kind of feel like after hunting all these years, you know, when deer come, you don't really hear the deer coming. A lot of times, you just look, and they're there. So, like, the squirrel noise doesn't really grab my attention too much. I kind of write mm -hmm. it off a lot, which – Hey, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. I mean, that that day, it could have been one of those deer coming through. I, I don't know, but I was sitting there, and uh, so my stand was kind of facing, well, facing about ten o'clock, looking inside the woods, and to my back was this field edge, and uh, okay. so I'm sitting there, and I just kind of was looking around a little, looking off into the woods, and uh, there's a lot of acorns in the area, a lot of fresh droppings, so. I feel like, and my buddy said something about how the marshy area down below actually had some good sign recently. So, I mean, it, you know, it pointed, it pointed at, you know, this is a good time to sit here. I'm sitting there and I kind of looked over my shoulder and right along the edge of the field, there's a little doe walking. So I'm like, oh, okay, wow. Like I've only been in the stand for maybe 20 minutes and, and eh, maybe, maybe a little longer, maybe about a half an hour. And, mm -hmm. but I already got some action. So that's kind of cool. You know, I, that never happens. Like I, you never just get there. It's very rare. I get, get there, get in the stand in 20 or 30 minutes. There's already deer walking around. Usually it's their bare bed and I run them out, but, <laughs> but that's so this time it worked out, you know? And uh, so that's, I just saw this doe. And what I mentioned about the squirrel noise, I'm not sure if uh, this doe was following the buck, but I watched the doe where it went. Eventually I couldn't see her, but I'm just kind of looking in the area she walked to, which was, you know, down beyond me, maybe about 60 yards in front of me. And she was inside like the edge of the woods. I could hear her kicking around a little, but then I'm, I'm watching, just trying to see, you know, just watch it, see what I can see. And, and then I see, uh, I see some foliage, like it's some tree branch, you know, moving around pretty violently. And uh, so I'm just watching is I'm trying to see what's doing it. And all of a sudden, like I see some white flash and I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> and then I see the rack and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, that's, that's a good buck right there. And, uh, I, I'm not sure if there were two of them. I think just the, the one side, like the side that had a five points on it was so massed, kind of like jumbled up there that, uh, maybe it looked like another buck was kind of in front of them, but Either way, like, I was like, oh, man, like, yeah, I better get ready. And <laughs> so I'm, I'm set up, I'm a right, righty, so I'm set up for a right-handed shot. But I was thinking I might have to start arranging the area, you know, where he's going to walk up to if he does. And where my shooting lane anyways would be. And I have some areas that are like 5 yards, 10, 15, 20. 
and uh, all the way out to about 35, 40, 45. And I'm watching this buck. You know, I got eyes on him, and my heart's, like, ripping at this point. Like, I see these these antlers, and there's, you know, I know, like, yeah, this is a good one. And man, if I could get a shot. I'm just thinking if this was gun season. <laughs> you know, like, it's 60. I think he was 60 yards at least, you know, 70, and I'm not taking that shot. Uh, but, you know, man, if that was shotgun season, you know, it would have been a nice, easy job there. But either way, you know, I never would have had that chance given all the – the leaves, the brush would have been gone. You know, they would have seen me coming in. So I'm watching him, and I and that's where I mentioned, you know, with the squirrels and all. I don't know if he was bedded down there, and the doe came over and like got him off his feet, or if he actually led her over and was there. Mm. But uh, either way, he was down there, and I'm watching him. He's looking off into the distance, away from me, and he starts walking in that direction. So I'm thinking, oh, oh, oh well, he's going to walk away. Like, it'd be really nice if he'd come right at me, but now uh, he's he's he was marching in that direction, and all of a sudden I couldn't really see his antlers anymore. But I, I'm I'm still seeing and hearing some stuff, so I'm watching. And probably after a couple minutes, I see him start walking back up towards me, and this doe actually came back up in front of him. So the wind was blowing like out into the field, but like diagonally, so that he would have had to get like probably to my six o'clock or four, probably four to six o'clock behind me to smell me. So mm-hmm. I knew like, no matter what, he's not smelling me. Like I'm up high enough that he can't see me. It was, I mean, I was one uh, brushed in so well, I was able to take my rangefinder out and hit all these areas where he was going to go. And the first spot I was thinking if he, he gets there, it was, it was about 30 to 35 yards away. So I'm like, I'm sh- my hand's shaking to the point my rangefinder wouldn't even really like work. <laughs> it's not the greatest rangefinder, so you got to hold it really still for it to work. But eventually, <laughs> I was able to get readings like 30, 35, 40. So I knew like if he got to this area, what I was looking at, and and I and this is another thing I get detail. I can't remember just because of the heat of the moment. I can't remember if I switched back to my right side, adjusted to my seat to shoot right-handed, but I think I shot left-handed, but. We can go with that since that sounds cooler. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what happened. But either way, I uh, was able to get in the position to get my, my scope on the area he needed to go so that and get ready to shoot that in case he walked there into that pathway. I, w- I had him. And, uh, so I was – and I was just telling myself I had enough time. Like I was watching this thing. He, he was moving very slow. Like he was browsing, you know, eating acorns just picking at some brows. So like he had no idea I was there. He didn't have a care in the world. And I had time to like take some breaths in through my nose, you know, slowly deep out my mouth and just calm down. Cause that's the, that's a big shot, you know, with a bow, it doesn't take, I had a few minutes to calm and collect my cool and collect myself. So I did. And, uh, surely enough, he starts walking right in the direction I needed to, to, so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, yeah, this is, this is, this could be my buck right here. This is my buck. If he gets in my path, I'm, this is it. Like, I'm, he's mine. I just got to hit the shot. And he, he wasn't coming too much closer. So I'm thinking, all right, well, I'm going to get him. You know, he was off to my side a little bit, um, probably more towards, you know, at this point now, like, he basically walked right into my 12 o'clock, you know, straight on oh, okay. where I was looking. But I had to just move my seat a little bit to readjust my body. So I wasn't shooting, I think, left handed. But, but, uh, yeah, so he w- kept walking and just was eating. And eventually, like, you know, I knew at this point, this doe, like, he started kind of, like, walking away to get farther. And I still had these tree branches in front of me that I couldn't shoot through. So I'm like, oh, no. But then he's, he starts to kind of straighten out and took – and I knew this was at this point, like, he needs to take, like, two or three more steps. And I got a shot. As soon as he gets outside these leaves, just like that eight point I shot a couple years ago, you know, I'm letting it fly because I had the exact spot range. I knew exactly how far it was. Right. And, uh, so he did. I mean, he took that, you know, he, three steps, two steps. And it's like, all right, he's starting to look out away. Like he was going to maybe walk away, but he was picking his head up, putting it down and, he was at this point, he was broadside. So he was in the right position for me to shoot. And he took that one more step. And then I had him clearly in the middle of my scope. 
And I, at this point, checked off, you know, my, my center, it's sighted in for 20. I have a 30 and a 40 crosshair. And luckily, you know, I didn't get too caught up in the moment and rush the shot because I moved it up to my 30 and then I moved it up to my 40-yard marker. And I'm thinking he was right at about 40 to 42 yards, maybe. And uh, he was broadside. It was a clean shot. And I shot. And I just – it seemed like forever that arrow was in the air. Like, I – it was the farthest shot I've ever taken. And, heck, even for, like, gun season, I don't really get shots much farther, you know, because a lot of the woods I hunt are very dense. And I right. – but I watched this arrow go, and I heard the noise, and he mule kicked. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, like. And then I saw red coming out his side, just kind of like in these videos you watch, you know, online. And so it was really cool. And I'm like, I hit him, you know, I nailed him. And so my heart starts racing a million miles an hour. And I'm just, I, I just made sure I kept my eyes on him because I've, I've had, I had one last year that I just met, I skimmed his body, but and I watched him as far as I could, but he, it was in a similar type CRP field. And I know how hard it is to look for them. Mm-hmm. Get yep. out there and that, grass is as tall as you and then so I knew I must keep my eyes on him and watch him go down and I watched him and I saw you know he was bleeding pretty good I saw every step he took someone's coming out and event and he didn't look like he was doing good and then all of a sudden probably after about 60 70 yards I I saw him go into some really thick stuff that I couldn't see him anymore but I thought I heard him go down and then I didn't hear too much so I sat there and I'm like trying to calm down and I'm thinking all, you know, I knew I hit him and I'm, I'm just trying to pay attention make sure he doesn't get up and run again. Kept my eyes on him for probably another 30 seconds, minute. And then I got my phone out, called my fiance immediately. And first thing she said, she said this a couple times because she knows, you know, I don't call when I'm out hunting unless something's happening, you know, happened good or bad. Mm-hmm. And she answered, you know, answers the phone and just says, you got one. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I hit a big one. Like, I think he's, he's good, you know? And I kind of wanted to downplay it because I, I, I was like, yeah, he's a good one. I'm pretty sure he's pretty nice. But, but as I said, I don't have him in my hands yet, so I'm not counting it until I got him in my hands because, you know, you just hear stories of never finding him. And so, you know, at this point, I'm like, you know, I got off the phone, sat there for like probably 15 or 20 minutes and watched the area, never saw any more movement. And so I packed my stuff up, and I was just, you know, so my – you know, my heart was going a million miles an hour. My adrenaline was through the roof. And, and I'm, I just said, all right, well, you know, I'm not going to go. Well, I know where I think he is. I'm going to pack up. I'm going to go home and get her and come back. That'll probably take me, you know, an hour before we get back and all and get to the deer so that, you know, I give him at least an hour to expire. And I did not want to have a chance, you know, jumping him again, considering that I, at this point, it was probably, it was like five I think it was around, right around 5.30. It might have been 5.38 or so, something along those lines that I took my shots. So I probably only had about an hour and a half to sunset. And so by the time we got back, it was probably uh, it was probably about 6, uh, 6.15, I'd say. So mm. I just I wanted to kind of get in quick because I didn't want to be looking in the dark. But – so we got back, and I think we pulled back in for 45 minutes. I don't live far from where this is. It probably only be five minutes. So I was able to get down out of the stand, you know, get to my car, called my dad and told him, <laughs> you know, I just <laughs> hit a monster. But I'm like, I don't have it yet. So, you know, I'll, I'll just – I'll tell you when I got it. <laughs> I just didn't want to jinx it. You know, didn't want to count it. Right. I didn't have that thing in my hands. And knowing, like – you know, just how, like, after last year and I had those chances and how much it – hurts and how much you beat yourself up over missing an opportunity of that nature on a buck like that you know I was just praying to God that I got this thing you know just please you know let me get this thing let me find them and uh because it's so hard in that grass like you know I said (coughs) you almost trip over them sometimes and uh so we go back and when we got close to you know back to where my stand was I just said to her, all right, now let's be very quiet. You know, I, I'm sure he's, you know, not alive anymore, but I don't want a chance, you know, him hearing us running. So we started, you know, of course, me being the spaz, I start running a thousand miles an hour. I see good blood and I'm running right where I thought I, he was, you know, and I, I mean, I, 
I, I just wanted to fast track it, you know, and I know not oh, to do yeah. it. Yeah, I know to take my time, you know, once you're not to. the trail. But yeah, it's just this thing though, I just I just wanted to get it before it got dark and or at least get on like to see if he made it farther than where I thought he was. And so I followed blood for a good ways and then it got to the point where it was really hard to follow and they were like pin drops and so I started grid walking where I thought he went down. And I literally like walked by this thing probably like three times. I mean, I, I, who knows? I was very close, but it was so tall and jagger bushes and everything. I couldn't see him. And so I'm on the other side of this area where I thought he was. And she's, you know, tracking blood like you should. Like she's, you know, she's <laughs> like my bloodhound. She always finds over shed hunting the deer antlers. She's always very good at following blood trails. So I was lucky to have her there. And, I can definitely thank her for helping me find this thing because I'm, I'm out on the other side and I'm not seeing blood. I'm starting to get those ter terrible feelings of, Oh my gosh, here we go. You know, it's, mm -hmm. I'm not going to have to call off work tomorrow to find this thing thinking, Oh, you know, how am I going to do that? You know, or how late am I going to be looking tonight? And then I'm looking around and all of a sudden I hear her say, you know, I found more blood. So I'm like, perfect. You know, this is, right where he, I thought he was, and I was on the other side. You know, I was probably about eh, 30 yards or 40 yards away from her. So I start walking towards her in this thick stuff and just and following directly where our, her line was. And, uh, and I'm walking and walking and walking, looking around, and all of a sudden I just see a white belly laying there. And <laughs> at this point I knew it, you know, and I, just, I literally threw my arms up to the air and looked up to the sky and just that moment, you know, just like Rocky, just, I felt like, you know, <laughs> just like, oh, I, you know, I did it. You know, I, I took a shot on a, a nice buck. I found him. I got him. He's mine. You know, I finally have one, you know, to feel good about, you know, or you know, feel great about one that at least I can be happy with, you know, the rest of my life, you know, a big accomplishment for me as far as, you know, how much I put into this. And so it was just everything I thought it would be. And, and really it didn't set in for like days, but, but, you know, at that point anyways, you know, it's like, all right, we got to get this beast out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and it was pretty brutal dragging it up. You know, we, you kind of wish you had a tractor to come out there and get it, huh? <laughs> I wish, right. Yeah. My neighbor actually, you know, I thought about calling him to help, but and once we got it up out of the one like area into uh, the top of this, top of kind of a hill where there's a little bit of a driveway to go down. Uh, it, it wasn't too bad. He, he let me borrow his sled. So we dragged him like that, but just getting him up for the first probably so many yards and up a hill was pretty rough as expected. But, mm -hmm. but I was glad to have her to help me because I mean, I mean, she's like five foot tall, you know, <laughs> 110 pounds soaking wet. And yet, you know, she helped me get it out though. I mean, without her, I, Oh man, it, it, it wouldn't have happened. It would have taken me probably six hours instead i bet we got it out in like maybe an hour or so so it wasn't bad awesome. oh just to get that thing and get it back to my car and you know just to know that it i had it and it didn't escape me and i found it was just huge i mean and that whole night i mean i don't think i got to bed until 1 30 at night after pro you know pro um field dressing him getting him down to the butcher and then at home, you know, I'm just sending pictures of my friends and talking to people. And I'm so wound up. Luckily, it was a Thursday night. <laughs> so I only had to go to work for one day because I couldn't focus at work the whole next day. I'm just thinking about this here all day. And so I had the whole weekend to, like, kind of enjoy it. And, you know, just Friday night, it was just – I just couldn't believe it. I, You know, just the reaction, you know, I was getting from some people. and Just, yeah. you know, to see it and, like – just to see that, wow, you know, I got a trophy buck. I mean, that's, I can't Good believe feeling. it. It's, you know, after, I just didn't know if and when that shot would come again. You know, after going from the first year to not seeing, like, any deer, you know, to, to not getting anything, like, real big, never seeing anything huge that I had a shot at in this season. Like, I've had big ones in front of me, but they were out of season. Like, on our extended season, I had a monster in front of me, but I would have had to shoot it with a flintlock or a crossbow, and I only had a shotgun, so I had to walk, walk you know, watch them go away and out of my yeah. life forever. And so I'm thinking, man, you know, to finally get one in season. And really archery is what makes it happen. Like ever since I started hunting archery is when I've gotten all three of my bucks now in archery season. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's a major uh, accomplishment. And I, I tell you what, he's a beautiful buck uh, looking at the pictures of him. And uh, tell guys, you also, uh, you, you uh, kind of chart some of this or uh, keep track of some of this on your Instagram page. So tell guys about Blackbird uh, Outdoors, what you're doing there. Yeah, I mean, really, it's basically just like a, a journal of my uh, hunting journey. I mean, it's it's really cool to have people follow along. You know, it's a neat community and you know, you almost feel like you know some of these people you interact with all the time. And, you know, and you learn so much from one another. That's what I like about it. Um, you know, we share tactics and just, you know, tips, advice, whatever with one another. And so that's where I, I, I love, you know, that community feeling, you know, of uh, the hunting groups on there. And, uh, yeah, I've, I started doing it. I think it's, I think this is the third season now that I've, I've uh, started the hunting page on there, on the Blackbird Outdoors page. And, is that, so, that's yeah, on, I mean, Facebook, it's, Instagram. No, just on Instagram. I actually, it's funny you asked that. The reason I kind of started it too, I was posting about hunting so much on my Facebook. I feel like I was starting to annoy people. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm I like, know well, the feeling. Yeah, so I'm like, maybe I better just like make an Instagram page. Like nobody's on there, you know that that knows me really. So they're all the people who follow it will be hunters, so they'll enjoy it all. And yeah, I mean, it's been real, a really fun uh, journey. I mean, I, I bought a GoPro over the summer and, um, you know, I, I wish I could have had it set up to film that hunt and I'm eventually going to do it. I just was lazy in the off season and never set it up, but I'm going, I'd like to start filming some hunts here and there. And, and, uh, you know, the Instagram live thing was kind of cool. I started now that I you know have a better phone and unlimited data, you know, an extra battery charger packs with me. I started filming some stuff and, so I'm definitely going to, you know, stream live from Ohio here and there when I can and maybe hopefully get the GoPro set up by then. But, yeah, it's it's uh, it's really cool. I mean, it's it's just yeah. a platform to kind of document your journey. And it's neat to look back on just to see. I like looking back at the beginning of the season to the end to see the changes in the, the outdoors, the leaves, you know, the nature, the surroundings, and, yeah. and just the progression of things. I mean, and, yeah, it's it's really cool. Oh, good, man. Well, that's Blackbird underscore outdoors. And that's basically part of, you told me it's partly connected to your name, you know, with the uh, last name being Crow. So I thought, I, I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's the whole uh, idea behind it. You know? Yeah. Just another way to say my last name there. And you know, yeah, it's fine. It says outdoors. I mean, it really should just be hunting. I mean, that's cause I, you know, I always fished and stuff too, you know, but I, I threw some fishing pictures up here and there, but yeah, it's, oh, it's yeah. not said hunting. I mean, it's like my off-season thing is golf, you know, and I get obsessed in the off-season summer with that. And then as soon as hunting season comes around, it's like a flip, a switch flips. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm just fully, I eat, breathe, and sleep hunting, you know, from the beginning to the end of the year. And I hunted last year, I think. I put 49 days in, in the field between oh, Pennsylvania wow. and Ohio. And literally every single weekend I drove out to Ohio almost, excluding a few through, like, the beginning of February when archery ended just yeah. trying to get another shot. And so, and that's really helped me just putting the time in because there's a lot of times you screw up, but you learn from those mistakes. You learn not yep. to do that again. So that's where just getting time in the field really helps you grow. I figured the more I do it, the quicker I'll get better, which makes sense. And it's definitely helped, but it's also, you know, just kind of combining some things I've learned and listened to from other people but yeah, yeah it's it's, uh, it's hard to learn from your couch. You know, you got to get out there and you've got to experience it. And it sounds like that's something that's definitely contributed to your success this year. So I just want to say congratulations and thanks for sharing your story with us tonight. That's really good. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you. And uh, you know, another thing you know I'd like to say too, and that really helped is uh, you know, breaking your comfort zone. Um, okay. And pushing, just pushing in farther, like. Going to Shawnee uh, State Forest out in Ohio last year, that place is like 65,000 acres. Yeah, that's the first time I hunted anything like that. You know, I'm used to hunting small properties, maybe 40, you know, 100, 300 acres around here. And th and I used to think that was big. Like, you know, oh, I'm way in there. You know, I don't want to go that far. <laughs> you have to come out far that dark or drag one out. But after going somewhere that big and vast, you know, I realized there's nothing that's with, not within my reach in these smaller properties. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, you know, it's really kind of like, uh, you know, just, you know, just breaking your comfort zone, you know, going in deeper, going up higher, you know, changing styles, you know, trying out uh, hang on stands and something that uh, I really love to get into 
something like that you do is a saddle setup and that's yeah that's down the road i'm sure i'll get there but uh i mean for now you know i'm just getting going with the hang on this season so oh man they're both both extremely i'm not a saddle snob so hang-ons work really good too it's it's all what works for you and making it work so well, Zach, I, I just want to say thanks again for coming on. I, I really, it's, it's neat to see, and I think it's encouraging. You're kind of a, a late onset hunter, you know, got into it uh, later in life, you know, with uh, you know uh, your fiance's family. But it's been neat to see how uh, just kind of tonight you've unpacked your journey. And it's been going from not seeing a whole lot of deer to seeing a lot of deer. And then finally this year getting a chance, you know, at a big, big mature deer, which is what we all, you know, kind of hope for and what we want. So I just think that that's great. Appreciate you coming on the show and sharing that tonight. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I could share this with you and uh, Hey, good luck the rest of the way. I hope you knock a big one down too. Oh man, me too. Well, we'll see what happens. Plenty of season left. So, well, we'll talk to you later on, man. You have a good night. Thanks. You too. I enjoyed that conversation with Zach. I, I have just a couple uh, quick takeaways for you today. The first thing that I think about with Zach is his ability to want to try new things. So he educated himself on some different styles of hunting, was able to learn a different approach, and he's seen a lot more deer. I see a lot of guys kind of just doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And so if you're not seeing a ton of deer, and maybe that's the area, maybe that's just what's going on, maybe it's a, a bad bad year or whatever, but maybe try something different. Um, change it up a little bit. Go to a new spot. Sit on the ground. Go to public land. Go to private ground. Uh, buy a tree saddle. Buy a ladder stand. I, I don't know what it is for you, but maybe try something a little bit different. Do your homework like, like Zach did. You know, study guys like Dan Enfall. Study uh, DeQuesto. Study, you know, listen to podcasts and, and learn as much as you can. And then, you know what? Sometimes there's a lot of different ways to skin the, the proverbial cat. Uh, I think about and just beyond hunting ecclesiastes 11 6 says in the morning sow your seed and at evening withhold not your hand for you do not know which will prosper this or that or whether both alike will be good what that verse is hitting kind of hinting at is that sometimes we don't know the best thing to do we don't know the best way to go about something so try it try something in the morning try something in the evening because we don't know which is going to end up some uh and that applies to hunting that applies to our lives sometimes in our spiritual lives uh, we need to try different things um you know it can become stale maybe you've gotten tired of the online worship maybe it's time if you're comfortable to get back into a group with people or meet and uh do coffee together do a bob i used to be a part of a, a men's bible study on uh, just a few guys got together and we would eat bob evans and we would study the word of god you know just be willing to try different things variety is the spice of life and sometimes that is what uh, makes things fun again so there's just some things for you to chew on hope that you guys are having a wonderful season so far hope that you're being safe and doing well thank you for listening to the show and as always remember to shed the light